your four-year-old can discover the joy of learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Listen, uncomplicate the way you do pre-K. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And we're coming to you as we do each and every night between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, the Exxon Broadcast Network, and on Simul TV. My guest this hour, Exonation, is Randolph Rogers, and he's the author of The Key of Life, A Metaphysical Investigation. And Randolph uh, was with us a number of years ago. He was telling me during the, uh, prior to coming on air, it was 10 years ago. And uh, why don't I just bring him on and... Randy, welcome back to the Exxon. What have you been up to since you and I last talked 10 years ago? Oh, boy, I've, I've been up to a lot of things. I, um, after the book came out, I... Uh, Everybody wanted to experience what had happened uh, in the book with me, and, right. and it was a, a regression sessions. And so I trained under a hypnotherapist uh, uh, by the name of Dick Sutphin, who is pretty well known. He's written over 20 books on the subject. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became a hypnotherapist. So I, I went on tour across the country uh, doing a book talk and uh, group sessions and private sessions with people. And I've collected dozens and dozens and dozens of stories from uh, people going under their own regression sessions. Why don't you share with our listening audience uh, the synopsis of your book, The Key of Life, A Metaphysical Investigation? Sure, I can bring you up to date on that. It, it was a, a story um, that uh, it came out 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I had been experiencing um, these thoughts of a friend of mine that I had gone to grade school with. Um, that her name was Kathy Lynch, and I had these feelings that she had passed away. And I, I hadn't seen this girl in, in years and years and years. I was living in Los Angeles and working in the motion picture industry. But I was uh, having these intense dreams and thoughts about her, and it finally culminated one night with this out-of-body experience. And and you you got to understand, I had no knowledge of the metaphysical or any understanding of that. I was raised in a Roman Catholic family and had mm-hmm. been an older boy and gone to Catholic grade school, and that's where I knew Kathy from. 
But here I am all these years later having these thoughts and dreams about her. And, and now one night I find myself floating above my bed um, and having this talk with her where she's telling me that she she's not really dead, that you don't really die, and but she's in this other plane of existence. And I had to find out what happened to her. So to make a long story short, I, I started searching. I, I started looking for her. And I had um, called my mother and told her that uh, these dreams were happening. And she started looking for Kathy's sister. And uh, we knew she had a sister who was a nun down near Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I grew up in western Pennsylvania in Johnstown. So I'm, I'm out in Los Angeles and I'm dealing with my mom trying to find out where Kathy is. And uh, she finally calls me one day uh, and uh, tells me that she found her sister, who was the nun. Uh, and she told me she was sorry to tell us this, but Kathy had passed away from ovarian cancer. Oh, my God. Well, I was working on an ovarian cancer video at the time. And I could see this synchronicity happening. And, that, and that's really what my book is about, is me following the synchronicity that I started to realize was happening in my life. And it all, and always had been happening. I, I started looking back over my life, reviewing it, and I started to see that things weren't happening by accident, and mm -hmm. there was no such thing as a coincidence. So that led me, I was out to dinner one night telling these friends of mine what was happening, and the, the girl that was there with us, um, she had worked at one of the st studios at Disney. Well, we got to New York, and a bunch of more series of those coincidences happened, and it started making me think, well, maybe I should call this Russian woman when I get back, or call um, Renee and get this Russian woman's name. So before I got in on, on um, uh, back into work on Monday, I was planning on calling her early in the morning, but before I could do that, my phone rings, and it's Renee calling to say, you won't believe this synchronicity. Uh, I, I went in to see my acupuncturist, uh, Lucy is her name, Lucy Postoloff, and she's telling me, oh, I should read this book called Many Lives, Many Masters. Well, here I had given that book to Ron Siegel over the weekend when I was in New York because someone had given it to me, and I said, here, you got to read this book. It's about this reincarnation stuff. And then, and that's a, a, a famous book out there right now. that it, It's been famous for a number of years Um by a psychiatrist who regresses these patients that are having all these problems, you know, and and what happens is that one patient starts telling them stories mm -hmm. that are in the past, you know, and and they're solving her problems in the in the current day where she's afraid of water and in the past she was in another life and she drowned and then she was afraid of confined spaces and. And in that life, um, in the past life, she had been walled up as a leper in a colony and left to die. And so this book became really popular. And now the synchronicity was that I had just handed it to Ron and Ron hands it to his girlfriend, who the Russian acupuncturist said, the, um, you know, that she should read this. So I decide I have to go in to see this woman. Well, I book, a, I call her up, book a session with mm -hmm. her. And I go in, and she sticks these needles in me, and my whole world from that moment on changed. I had never, I was just this, uh, my background was I was a newsman. I had worked in the news business. I was a photojournalist. I had worked at NBC Nightly News. And I, um, I had this open feeling about everything. I never had a belief system. I just would go along to see what happened. I, I had no thoughts one way or the other. And when she stuck these needles in me, uh, this vision started to play, you know, you started to see these scenes playing out. And I started describing where I was and 
how I was this young Indian boy on this path walking through the forest. And and this whole first session was kind of just real calming. And uh, I was led up to a stream where there was an Indian woman washing her face. And Lucy told me this had a significance, that there was some kind of cleansing going on in my life. And I had to be around these women that had this cancer. And that's what I was doing, was working on that. And the other synchronicity was, when I go in, the, the main one, and when you read this book, it's just startling what was happening. Because um, I walked in and I start telling Lucy about that, uh, you know, she's asking me what I'm doing with my life. And I said, well, I'm working on this cancer video right now. And it's a big deal. It's for the Fire and Ice Ball in Los Angeles. I mean, people like Spielberg and everyone's going to be there to see this. So it's like a major um, production I'm doing. And I said, I'm working on this cancer video. And before I could even get out of my mouth where I was working on this, she goes, oh, my mom has cancer very badly, but um, she's been accepted into this trial at UCLA Medical Center in this special trial. And it's just only 100 people had been picked or some small number. And she starts describing the trial that I'm shooting for the video. Oh, my gosh. She's one of the, yeah. And I said, this is, and, you know, people would say, wow, what a coincidence. But I knew better at that point because everything was happening that way. It just kept falling in line. So I let her put the needles in me. I go mm -hmm. through this first session, and then I book another session, and it just blew wide open. I started telling her stories about who I was. I even told her stories about who she was and how we were connected in the past. And when you read the book, it just puts chills down your arms because I'm telling her things that no one knew, that she only knew. You know, and I'm coming out of, I'm going to this higher plane of existence when I have the needle stuck in me. And it led me from one point to another point to another point until I, you know, I found the connection that, that I was with Kathy and how we knew each other and, and how we've known each other over eons of time. And so the book deals with a lot of subjects. It deals with uh, synchronicity and it deals with past lives and uh, it, it deals with time and how everything works in the universe. So the, the, when the book came out, everyone was, um, it, as I started doing the book tour, everyone was interested in it. They wanted to experience what I experienced. And so I went and as soon as I started doing the talks it, it, about it, I thought, I'm not giving them enough. They want more than this, and they're wanting to call Lucy, and Lucy just does not want to be, uh, she's just more of an acupuncturist. She had done this with me because I needed this, but she really doesn't want to just do past life regressions. <laughs> Randy, <laughs> I hate to yeah. do this to you, my friend, but you and sure. I have to take our break. Please stand by. Fascinating story. Right. Okay. Oh, we'll have to talk more about this when we come back from our commercial break. XO Nation.
And welcome back. A good old Canadian band, Blue Rodeo, with Somebody Wants, here on the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Randy Rogers is our special guest this hour, and I, I must tell you, X-Zone, the story that this gentleman is telling us tonight rings true with me on so many different levels. He's the author of The Key of Life, A Metaphysical Investigation. All right, so, so yeah. please continue. Well, we were we were talking about that. I I, I was trying to give the people more of what yeah. you know they, I experienced. So I I what, I ended up uh, finding this guy Dick Sutphin, who had written over twenty books on the subject, and and I called my publicist and said, Hey, can you connect me up with this Dick Sutphin? And she said, Of course, the synchronicity. Oh, I happen to be his publicist. Oh my gosh! Now my publicist lives in Virginia, you know, and and Dick lived out in California, and I was out there, but I had never met him, and so but she connected me with him, and I ended up training under him and becoming certified as a hypnotherapist. I found it with some talent that I had that I could do very easily because I was a photographer all my life. Right. And this is another way of showing people images without using a camera. You're basically getting them into a relaxed state and the images come forward. So I started going when I went across the country doing past life regressions with uh, uh, groups of people and individual peoples. And it, it was just uh, an incredible uh, amount of stories that I've collected over the last 10 years now. How do you deal with skepticism? Well, you know, anybody is a cynic or a non-believer. Mm -hmm. I, I tell them, first of all, I, I don't use that word belief. I don't have a belief in anything. I, I was a newsman, and I only searched for the truth. Right. And I tell, I tell people, don't believe me. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to go out and experience this for yourself. And uh, amazingly, most people just read the book and are calling me saying, I, I started to, these things are starting to happen to me. And I said, no, they're not starting. They've been happening. You've just taken the blinders off and you now can see what's happening with your life. And so the book has a big impact on them. But then when they go and actually do a session with me or come to one of my group sessions, they, they, uh, they really, it's, it's amazing. I've had people crying in the session, you know, just, it's so emotional because you start to understand why your life is going that way. Maybe what some of the fears or phobias or, or, or things that are holding you back from what you need to do or what's causing it. Cause it all traces back into a past life experience. How long does each session take and, and how deep do you actually put these people into a hypnosis, hypnotic state? Well, it, it, it kind of depends on the person because uh, what I'm with, and Dick, I never knew this, but Dick Sutphin, when I was doing the training, he, he told the class that I'm what they call a synombolist. I'm someone who can go very deep under hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, there are a lot of people that can't, that you really have to work hard to get them under, but everyone can do it. Everyone goes under hypnosis at some point every day. You, either when you're coming out of sleep in the morning, you're in that transit state between awake and, and asleep, that's hypnosis. And the same thing when you're going to sleep at night, you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake, that's hypnosis. But it can also be while you're watching TV or reading a book or just sitting there looking at nature. You let your mind go and it's just a very relaxed state. It's not something where you're in a trance. It's just super relaxed. And because Lucy did it to me with needles in me, just mm. and it and you just instantly sink into this deep, deep, relaxed state. And then you have access to your subconscious mind. Is it true that if a person does not want to be hypnotized, that no matter how good the hypno, uh, how good the hypnotist is, that the person just won't go under? 
Well, yeah, you can fight it. You can just not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can stand there and, and fight it. But most people yeah. that are paying to do the session yeah, definitely yeah, want to do yeah. it. So they they'll and it's all about letting go again. If you're going to fight it or stand there, you you are not going to you know it's not going to happen. But it's amazing. You can even with people that don't know it, you can you can get them into a hypnotic state. You can lull them into it. And and uh, I mean, I've had difficult people, a, a lot of difficult people over the years where you have mm-hmm. to really work with them to get them there. I mean, one woman I was back east doing a session with, and she it, and normally they would take like two hours. <laughs> and that was really, you know, as short as I could get them. I just you you end up needing that amount of time to get get a lot of people into a relaxed state, and then also to get the story out that they're going to tell. And this woman, I was in with her for four hours. Oh we, in fact, it was it was the end of the day in closing, mm-hmm. and she was just not wanting to to tell me what she was seeing. She was under hypnosis, but she was just fighting it about releasing what, and I tell people, Hey, I, you know, I don't care if you've killed 10 people and they're buried in your backyard. I just want to hear the story. I said, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to hear your story. And, and it's going to have this really freeing, um, when we're done, you're going to feel really a lot better and lighter and understand wh- why it's going on. And, and, and to make a long story short on that woman, she, she had been in a car accident where a man had gotten killed. Oh, gosh. And, and, and that's what she was holding back. She wouldn't let go and tell the story. And who she met, I took her up to higher self where these soul, you know, these souls or soul spirit guides mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, your guardian angel, some people call it. There's somebody watching over you on, while, you're wor- while you're playing in this role down here. And it was this guy that had been killed in the accident. And when I finally got her to, she, I said, he's there with you now, Neil. What's he saying to you? And he's saying forgiveness that is what he was saying to her, that, that he didn't blame her for the car accident. It wasn't her fault either. I mean, she just felt guilty because she was part of a three-car pileup. And it w- I said, wow, she had a lot of work that needed to be done because she w- this was weighing so heavily on her mind. It, it had hampered her entire life after that happened. I imagine what hampered her life. Yeah. How old is the average person that seeks your your services? Do you do, for example, children? Do they need you? Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's um, I I did do a child. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've done a couple of kids. I've done my own son once. I, t- oh, really? I actually when I took him on tour with me, yeah. he was back east and he sat in on a session, and uh, he ended up go. He had a re- he went under with the entire group and came back telling a story of being uh, on D Day over in in World War II and being killed in a in in the assault on Omaha Beach. So it was really and it, he had this fascination with World War II and mm-hmm. li- liked to watch pri- uh, Saving Private Ryan and all these shows. Oh, yeah. And he, right. w- when he'd watch it, he'd point out things that were wrong in the movie. <laughs> That, that Spielberg had done wrong. He'd say, well, they actually didn't do this and that. And I'm looking at him like trying, and this was before I knew what it, he had been in, you know, one of the stories that he was going to tell me later. So when we die and this lifetime is over, how do we get to come back? And what's the process? Well, it's this series of births and rebirths and, and it and it's a very I mean I've done so much studying on this and 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 stories that came out along the way, mm-hmm. and what I found out is that it's not even really a past life. I, we consider it a past life because we look at the timeline as sequential that right. things happen and they move along and you can't go back to the past. You can only move along forward, 
But in reality, it's all happening at the same time. And you'll find a lot of scientists out there now that understand this concept of these many worlds, multiple universes going mm -hmm. on. And it's all happening. The past is happening at the same time as the present and it's at the same time as the future. In fact, I just saw an article on it up on the Internet the other day again that this is now becoming mainstream. They're starting to understand that everything is occurring at the same time. We just immerse ourselves. Basically, we're these souls, these spirits that reside on another plane of existence. We come into this life to play a part in a play. There, there's no real death or uh, there's you don't die because your soul is eternal. It doesn't this spirit that you are, this ball of energy, this light, mm -hmm. you that's what stays th the same. There's nothing you can do to harm it. Um, and you just immerse yourself into character after character because you want to experience this. And all of these experiences are tied together with everyone else that's playing these roles. So you have this soul family that comes in and out with you. And those are the fascinating stories I, I've had with, with multiple people about why they're in it and why they're playing these roles. So this is just like a virtual reality game right. that we're it, in. Exactly. That's exactly what we're in. That's why Matrix was such a popular yeah. movie. And now it's not something sinister like Matrix where we're all hooked up to machines and, and that and, and on this on this other universe. This, mm -hmm. this is a, a universe where our souls come in and out. And I, I have countless stories to tell you about that, about uh, about how you know you can talk to people after they pass away. You can communicate with them. Uh, that's why some people could do it. Other people just don't seem to understand how it works. But but it's something that kind of flows easily with me. All right, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, please share some stories with us. Exonation Randy Rogers is our special guest. Fascinating topic. Opens up a lot of possibilities. Opens up your mind to infinite, infinite worlds, infinite universes, infinite parallel universes. Wow. Just yeah. imagine more of us around there somewhere doing something. Huh. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Once again, my guest is Randy Rogers. His uh, book is Key of Life, a Metaphysical Investigation. His website is RandolphRogers.com. When you discover
Randy Rogers is my guest this hour, Exonation. He is the author of The Key of Life, A Metaphysical Investigation. His website is RandolphRogers.com. You know, uh, during the break, I had a thought that what we're talking about can be very simply um, described or shown to people by having them watch the movie Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Mine, too. I love that movie. (laughs) But... That's what we're doing, really. Yeah. It's something like that <laughs> going on here. <laughs> what was it like when you realized that life as you knew it doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, it, <laughs> you kind of go through every day. Um, I, I, I go through every day watching things a lot closer mm-hmm. Um And I always had that ability because I was this newsman. I recognized when something I saw rang true with something else, and I put these two pieces together and saw there was was a reason for this synchronicity happening. And that happens. It it just My life is driven on that now. I am so tuned into it. But uh, what happens is when when you get to put someone under hypnosis Mm -hmm. and they get to tell, that's what's great about this. This is not something you have to believe in. I tell, in fact, I was saying, I don't, I tell people not to believe in it, that go out and experience this for yourself. Uh, And because you can go to a psychic and a psychic will tell you things. And then you have to put that belief word, which I always feel is a bad thing Mm -hmm. because it it makes you have to rely on something that someone else told you without any backup as to it being real or not. So somebody can talk to you and say, well, I'm talking to your dead mom and she's saying this and that. But if, when you can hear it yourself or experience it yourself, it, it drives it home. You, then it's a truth to you. It's not even a belief because you know this to be true. And that's what happens when you go through a, a regression session. And uh, one of the stories I had was you were asking about any young people and yes, old people. Yeah. I've done all of them. I've done them from, you know, from 80 years old bound to, eight, eight, uh, well, eight years old, probably my son was when mm-hmm. I did one with him. But um, this boy lived down the street when I lived in Los Angeles. He had a um, brain tumor called uh, neurofibromatosis, and it was pressing on his brain, and he had to wear these thick glasses, and he had all these problems, and he was struggling to, you know, just to handle this going on. And they had a run for him every year, and I, and I was talking to his mother at the, the, the run-a-thon, you know, where everybody's out jogging to raise money for the research, and and I said, hey, why don't you bring him down to my uh, soundstage? I had this soundstage in Los Angeles and I had this soundproof room, you know, that I could put him in and set him. I said, I'll do a regression session with him down there and we'll find out why he has this tumor. Because everything happens for a reason. Nothing is an accident. Right. I believe so, that. Yeah. So I, I bring him down and I put him under hypnosis and he starts to tell this story of he's back in the 1800s somewhere and uh, some somewhere in the late 1800s and he's a um, an an artist he says and he's gone around from one art gallery to another and before he gets going too long I said well what you know what's your um, what's your name and he said a name and I didn't quite catch it but I had the recorder going so I thought I'm just gonna I don't want to interrupt him I'll let that go and um, but he describes going around taking these paintings. And I said, well, what do the paintings look like? And he goes, well, they look like Van Gogh almost. And I said, well, you know, he's he's gone around and selling these kind of paintings. And as he does it, um, he ends up 
getting in a fight, he said, with another artist of some kind, and he ends up getting killed. He ends up dying. And it, it's kind of a, a broad story about, mm-hmm. you know, this other artist and him getting in a, some kind of argument happening. And then I take them up to what's called higher self. After you pa- I get people to where they pass away in their past life. Then I bring them up to higher self where your spirit guides can show up and give you some guidance. And the two people that showed up were his grandparents, his granddads on both his mom and father's side. And they had both passed on, I'd found out after the session. So they start telling him that, it, that he's got this brain tumor because he feels guilty for not being there to in this past life for... Uh, that that he didn't help this person in a past life that he that, that, that something he had done he could make this brain tumor go away by imagining a pac-man was in there and eating away at this thing and is so they were telling him what to do and he comes out of it and he, and he does it and as soon as he comes out of the session he's sitting there laughing and and he's going oh i made that story up i i i totally made that up he said and I said, well, I know you think you made it up because everyone feels that. I said, I felt that I made them up. I thought, where am I making this story up? I mm-hmm. said, and that's because you're in your subconscious mind and your conscious mind has no knowledge of this because all it knows is from the day you were born here till where you are now. And even a lot right. of that, it's forgotten. So he says, um, I said, besides that, I said, you told me your name in that thing. I said, what did you say your name was? And he said, oh, my name was Theo. And his mother immediately chimed in and she said, oh, that's isn't that's probably because you have a classmate that's named Theo. And I said, no, Zachy. I said, let me tell you why you have a I, I said, why your name was Theo. I said, that was your name back then. I said, and you have a classmate named Theo because that's to remind you of who you used to be. I said, there's no coincidence that you have a classmate named something that you said you were back then. So I go back to work and he goes home and I called my girlfriend at the time and told started telling her because she was into the art stuff and mm-hmm. I said yeah this kid said he was out going to galleries with this stuff uh, this paintings he said they look like Van Gogh kind of paintings kind of abstract things and uh, not abstract but just well surreal looking and and she's and I said and he said his name was Theo and she goes oh well that's Theo Van Gogh I said Theo Van Gogh who the hell's that and she says well that's Vincent Van Gogh's brother she goes, and he was the guy that made Vincent Van Gogh the rock star that he was. Oh, my that gosh. He, he's the guy that went around from gallery to gallery selling these paintings. And that's what, that's what this kid was describing in the session, that he was going to gallery to gallery selling these paintings. So I immediately called up um, the kid's mom, and I said, <laughs> I said, hey, did, did Zachy, um, what does Zachy know about Van Gogh? She goes, oh, I... You know, he he has he does his own paintings and they look kind of Van Goghish. I said, I said, where do you hear this? I said that Theo that he said that was Van Gogh's brother's name, and I said I had no knowledge of this. I didn't know anything about the Van Goghs. I wasn't into art, and so I said, let me talk to Zachy. Don't say anything to him. So I put him on the phone. I said, hey Zach. I said, what do you know about Vincent Van Gogh? She and he goes, oh, I like his painting. Um, that starry night, and he names a couple paintings of his that he likes. And, and I said, well, what can you tell me about Van Gogh's family? Do you know anything about his family? And he goes, well, no. I said, do you know who his mother and father were? I know. I said, did he have any brothers? He goes, well, I don't know. And he, in this state, in this conscious state, he had no knowledge of anything he was telling me while he was under regression. He didn't know anything other than he liked seeing Van Gogh's paintings. And and here he tells this whole story where he's his brother. And in what happened in Van Gogh's life was 
Van Gogh's brother, Theo, was so close to him that when Van Gogh died, and it was debated about whether he shot himself or was shot, but, but he stumbled home and died from a gunshot wound. And he had obviously had cut off his ear earlier in a fit of rage of things. And he had had disputes with other artists, I guess. What, what Theo was, was despondent over his death and felt that he should have been there to help him and wasn't there at the time when this happened. And a few months after Vincent died, Theo passed away. And he was despite, and now he comes into life as a, you know, this kid Zachy down the street, and he's got still has that trauma and that feeling, and it's causing this brain tumor. So a month later, a couple months later, I get a call from Zachy's mom. Zachy's tumor's going away; <laughs> it's disappearing, you know. And sure enough, the kid starts to recover from all this stuff, and he's still, as far as I know, doing well today. And yet he had. You know, he had to just understand uh, knowledge erases karma. And it was a karmic lesson he was experiencing in this life. And his knowledge now of who he played, what, why he, you know, was feeling that despondency about his, his brother Vincent in that mm -hmm. past life was trailing into this current life, and he could let go of that now. So the answers to all our problems lie within us. All we need is a way to get into ourselves in order to understand what the problem is. And that once we realize what the problem is, it's over. That's it. That's exactly what happens. It, mir miracles happen. People go, what a miracle. Yeah. It's just disappeared. But it was really you that was creating the problem. And you're creating it for your own karmic lesson. Stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. Wow. All right. Explanation. Our guest this hour is Randy Rogers. He is the author of The Key of Life. A meta metaphysical investigation. His website is RandolphRogers.com. Just like to take a second or two to welcome two new people to the Exxon TV channel. Dr. Bernie Beitman and his show, Connecting with Coincidence. He is going to be doing coincidence uh, vignettes for the Exxon TV channel. Looking forward to working with Bernie on the other side of the camera. And then Hassan Jafar, he is the internationally acclaimed astrologer. In fact, he was Larry's King, Larry King's astrologer. He's going to be doing astro vignettes as well on the Exxon TV channel. For more information on the Exxon TV channel, visit simultv.com and type in Xzone. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Just
Welcome back, everyone. Randy Rogers is my very special guest this hour. www.randolphrogers.com. He's the author of The Key of Life, a Metaphysical Investigation. First of all, Randy, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, and, and sharing this wonderful information with us. Um, oh, it's fun, yeah, talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... You know, I, I think hypnosis has received a bum rap because of the stage hypnosis that people... Oh, know. yeah. When when I was training to do hypnosis, yeah. Dick did some of that stage stuff with us to, to show us that it... But none of us, most of the people in the class were more interested in the regression mm -hmm. part of it and being able to pull up details from past events and and sometimes they're current in your current life that some things will come up. And uh, But the... the uh, the stage stuff is what everyone sees, and they, they think, well, it's kind of some hocus-pocus thing. Right. But it, it's not. It's about taking you in and, and giving you subtle, uh, while you're under hypnosis, giving you subtle uh, things that you're going to do. That when you hear the word love, everyone's going to start barking like a dog or quacking like a duck kind of thing. And he did that in the class, and it, it does work. I mean, it, it, it's funny, and, but that's for more entertainment. This is about getting to real stories that are going to affect your life, that are affecting your life. Because every fear and phobia and everything out there is driven by something out of your past, or what we perceive as the past anyway. Like I said, it's all really occurring at the same time, but, but we sequentially put it, because there's, you know, Washington across the Delaware, and Amelia Earhart was lost out at sea, and, and these things all go in a timeline, we call it, but in reality, they're all still going on. That's how, when, because people ask the question, well, how is everyone someone famous in a life? Well, not only you could have been George Washington, but I could have been too, because it's still going on, and our souls are all playing these roles. So no matter whether I even personally played it, it, um, it still is part of the collective soul consciousness. When you when you leave this life, you're part of everything. Everyone is connected on a soul level, not not a physical level. That you know, I I don't know you. I've never met you in person, but on a soul level, we know each other. If Nothing, for example, the, the example you gave of George Washington, we could all be George Washington uh, or, you know. Or anyone. Yeah. Or, or anyone. Lincoln, yeah, how, does it, how is the future formed if the past is always present? Well, not only is the past always present, the future is always present. I, and you have that, um, you'll have, you know, the, uh, the, the deja vu. Yeah. Uh, that you see something ahead, yep. it's actually because it's already occurred and you've just jumped into the role to play the role. We actually know the role when we come into it to play it. And it's it's all just, it, it's just blowing along with us. I have this happen all the time where I'm, I, I start to see things before they've happened and I'm going, oh, I'm, I'm starting to remember what is going to happen next, basically. And people will always go, man, I just had this moment of deja vu mm -hmm. where I saw this before. But it's really, you're kind of skipping ahead to what you have to do next. It, it's, it's crazy. It's just, it, there's blinders put on you so you can stay in the role. So I can stay playing. I'm Randy Rogers in this role, but I'm really not Randy Rogers. I mean, uh, I've got great stories about that. And I w wish we had more time because some of them are a little long on that. But um, the, but the way it works here, here, I'll tell you briefly. I think I can get through this one. Um, I had to go do a book talk down in Venice at a bookstore. And uh, this is a number of years ago, right after I started doing it. And uh, I hadn't done... Uh, the 
hadn't taken the training yet or the regression. This was right after my book came out. And I get down there and I get into this store to do it. And, and my, the store, the whole thing had gotten delayed. It was supposed to be early in December. I had just been on coast to coast. And then it, it, there was a flooding in the store. They couldn't do it. And they moved it down. And when I rescheduled it, it was for the 23rd of December. And there's that 23 number, you know, two days before yeah. Christmas. Walk in the store. This old man's walking out. He kind of says hi to me. I looked at him like I thought I knew him, but I didn't know. Get in, and I start to go, and I'm setting up for this thing. And I'm thinking, no one's even going to show up, you know. Well, two people had heard me on Coast to Coast in L.A. They came down, these women. And then this guy that had been in the store, this psychic, he had run down the street and dragged a patient or dragged one of his clients that he had just done a session with back in to bring him into this thing. And it was the old man I had seen leaving the store. And he walks up and he says, Randy, I want you to uh, um, meet this guy. He, I thought he should hear your thing. He goes, Randy, this is George Lazenby. And as soon as I reach across to shake his hand, I knew who he was immediately. I started to just flip out because I'm looking at my watch and I'm someone who keeps track of time and where things happen and when they happen. And I said, George, George, you're, you're not going to believe this. You know, 30 years ago on this very date, I was a 16-year-old um, a kid working on my first job at the State Theater, and I was changing the marquee on that night to read, um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby is James Bond. And I and I recognized him. He was James Bond. And, that, and I said, you were my favorite James Bond. And I said, and I, I could just see everything flashing in front of my eyes because of what had happened that evening. And I asked him, I said, can I use you as an example in the talk tonight. And he said, sure. And then, so we sat down and I'm kind of abbreviating this kind of speed it up a little, but, um, George, I said, when you think, I said to everyone, when you think of the name James Bond, what comes to mind and uh, who is he? And they started naming away. Well, he's a British secret service agent, has a license to kill. He's always around all these really hot women and he's saving the world from this bad guy all the time. And I said, exactly. I said, so if you went to see a movie with James Bond and he was like a florist, I said, you'd want you'd stand up and want to go get your money back because he's not the spy, the, you know, the uh, secret agent. And I said, so but I said to George, how many people have played James Bond? And we started naming them that, you know, there was Sean Connery and um, Roger, Roger Moore, Moore yeah. and all the names. And we get through it. And I said, but George, I said, you've played James Bond. And you only had played, I said, you only played him once, but you did play James Bond. I said, now I'm going to ask you the most important question here tonight. I said, George, are you James Bond? And he started to laugh and he said, well, no, I just played him once. And I said, well, I'm Randy Rogers and I'm only playing him once. And that's that's who we are. That's we're you're uh, Rob McConnell and you're playing him once, but you'll play someone else in another time. And that that was that, that, that synchronicity that occurred. And mm -hmm. what what I left out there was when I told George, I said something really important happened. I said, I really like that movie that yeah. on our Majesty Secret Service. I said it was the only movie where James Bond got married. And I said, and just tonight I bought my girlfriend an engagement ring because she had been bugging me to get married. I didn't really <laughs> want to get married, but I bought her this. And George is going, oh, well, you know, that movie, I don't know if you remember, but my wife dies in it. I said, oh, well, no. I said, I know I got the message from you showing up here tonight. That what and he said, and besides that, I'm going through a horrible divorce right now, and I'm telling you, you shouldn't get married, you know. <laughs> He's telling me this. And you know, I said, George, I already know what the I said, these messages show up in my life immediately when I do it. And I said, I just did that, and now I run into you and and, and you're telling me. I said, I already know what's going on. And and to make a long story short, I, I never married, you know, the the girl and 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 I and I listened to what, you know, it would have been a disaster 
It just would have been a disaster. We've got about uh, two minutes left, Randy. Sure. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed our, our hour together. We'll have to get you back on because I'm sure there are other great stories that that our listeners would love to hear. Um, what are your final thoughts that you'd like to share with the Exxon Nation tonight? Well, like I said, it, it don't believe me. I want you to go out and experience yourself, it, especially if you read the book. It, it's amazing. Something about it mm-hmm. that opens up people's eyes when they see it. They start calling me and saying, hey, you know, this is happening to me now. And I said, no, no, it's been happening all along. And I said, and you'll start to recognize that. You'll look back over your life and review it, and you'll realize that nothing happened by accident as you went through your life. Everything had a reason. Even things you think are bad they always end up being to push you on the path. Mm-hmm. There are markers. It's really, when, when synchronicities happen, these, these things that you go as a coincidence, they're really a marker to show you you're hitting the marks on the stage. You're an actor on a stage, and you are where you are when you're supposed to be, when those synchronicities are flowing. So when that's happening, you're, you're exactly on cue. You're, you're doing everything right. Where can our listeners get your book? Oh, well, you can go to, um, well, my website, RandolphRogers.com, and there's a link over to the book site, which it's really, uh, the book site is thekeyoflife.net, but either site will will get you there, and, and you can get it there. It's also out on Amazon, but if you order it off my site, I can sign it for you or things like that. And, and then also you can read about doing regression sessions if you want a session. you can. I do a lot of them over Skype because well, you don't good. have to be there with yeah. people to do it. You, you know, I could do one with you. We'll have to do that. You know, Rob, I'll, sure. I'll, we'll go and record a session with you and it works really well. Then we'll cut out little segments and you'll be blown away with it. I've, I've had really good uh, stories like that with other radio um, personalities, putting them, you know, putting it together. And uh, and, and then they, what, they can tell a story about something, one of your past lives. Sounds like a plan, Randy. I look forward to it. Hey, listen, thanks again for coming on the show. I love what you do. Uh And I wish you continued success. Well, thank you, Rob. Take care, brother. All right. And Exonation, if once again, for more information on our guest this hour, visit his website, RandolphRogers.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast studios and corporate offices in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Closing time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. 